Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, take out your worship guides. We are in part three of a series called Strapped, where we're learning how to do our finances God's way. And so if you're here for maybe the first time or you brought a friend, you're like, why the one Sunday I come to church, we're talking about money. Um, I understand. Let me just say this. This is not a giving message. Uh, The church isn't asking anything. Our church is doing great. We are blessed in the best season of our life. Uh, This is a message to help you walk in God's blessings for your life. And you can't help but read the Bible and hear what God says about money. Uh, It's not in your notes, but just so you know, there's over 2,300 verses in the Bible that mention finances because God has a lot to say about what you do with your finances. And this is five times more verses than deal with prayer and with faith. Come on, that's a lot of verses right there. And the reason why is because God knows that what you do with your money matters. So I talked about it last week, talked about how it's an indicator of your heart and how we have to handle it really um, in a way that honors God. And today I wanna give you a message that is, is kind of different. It's gonna be a great challenge for you. I hope you leave inspired when it comes to your finances and doing money God's way. And I'm calling the message, and you wanna write it down if you're new. We take notes here at Radiant. You're four times more likely to remember it if you write it down. So here's the title, ready? And it's simply Handle With Care. Handle With Care. I went on a uh, trip a couple weeks ago. I told the story last week of traveling the world uh, for two weeks straight around the globe. And, and I, the staff uh, bought me last December my, a piece of luggage that is absolutely my favorite. It's one of those that you would never check it. You would just, it's just so nice. It's something I would have never bought myself, but it was a great gift, and I was so excited. I love like a nice piece of luggage. Like, I know, it's weird, but if you travel, you gotta have a nice piece of luggage. So, uh, but this time, because it was such a long trip, I, just, I took it with me. And I tried to do carry-on everywhere I could, except on the way back, you get on some of the Indian airlines, they don't allow you to carry on a bag that big, so um, I had to check it. And I was so upset, I was really frustrated, and I was like, no, I, you don't understand, this is so valuable. And so the, the lady behind the counter is like, well, what is inside of it that's so valuable? I was like, nothing is inside, it's socks and underwear, none of that's valuable, the luggage itself. She's like, well, I could put this sticker on here. It's like, the, the sticker was handle with care. And how many know that, didn't mean a thing. <laughs> so I get back to Tampa. It's 30-something hours to get back, and I'm sitting there at the, uh, at the baggage claim, and of course, what doesn't show up? Oh, I was, I was, I was praying for them, and uh, <laughs> really upset. And so they said, it's okay. They'll deliver it the next day, and they delivered it to my house, and obviously, how many know, it was not in the condition I put it in there. I didn't check it. They, they didn't read this sign. It was crazy. I actually pulled a little bit of a surveillance uh, footage of them uh, delivering my bag. It's just crazy. Check this out. Okay, I told you it was crazy. That's just what happened. So, but I think when it comes to your finances, a lot of you are are handling it that way. You don't understand that what God has put in your hand, what God has given you, it's fragile. You need to handle it with care. And so many of us are praying, "God bless me, God bless me, God bless me." And He's like, "Look how you're handling what I've already given you." Now, let me preface this by saying, I am not a prosperity preacher. I know that's kind of like that dirty term. 
People are wondering, like you're talking about money, are you one of those prosperity guys? And I'm not, I think that stuff is crazy where you give a dollar and you get a BMW, you know, sitting in your driveway on your way home. How many know that doesn't work? It's not real. Let me tell you, the best way to get a BMW in your driveway at home is uh, maybe pick up a couple more shifts, work a little bit harder, can I hear an amen? Like, yeah, or steal, like that, those are the only two ways. But you're not gonna get money and give money and get that, it just doesn't work. And then the other side is the poverty preachers, you know, those guys, and they, you know, the, the poorer you are, the holier you are, and just give it all away, and, and I don't like that either. I don't find that in the Bible. I just don't see that's God's way, and uh, as, as much as I do believe money doesn't buy you happiness, how many know I'd rather be sad drinking pina coladas on a beach than uh, having ramen noodles in a dorm room, and can I hear an amen? Like, and so, so it doesn't buy happiness, but it does help you out a little bit, so uh, I am what you would call a blessed preacher. In other words, I believe God does want you blessed in every area of your life. I believe he blesses us to be a blessing in the world around us. So how do we get there? Well, this is what this series is about because it's not just about giving because that's not the only thing that'll open up the blessings of God over your life. Write it down in your notes because a blessed life is one that combines generosity with stewardship. In other words, it's not just about giving, it's about taking care of what you got, handling what you've got with care. And this word stewardship is actually a Bible term. We see it all throughout the scriptures and it's a really one of those terms you hear from the stage a lot. So I wanna talk about it today for a few minutes and I've got a definition for what a steward is. And here's what it is. A stewardship is the management or the property of another. Managing the property of another. So it's taking care of somebody else's stuff. So when you are a steward, you don't own it, you're taking care of it for somebody else. Now how many know if, they, if someone's using your car they should take care of it better than they would their own car. Can I hear an amen? Like, like don't bring my car back with crumbs on the floor and, and the gas half full. I mean, does anybody agree with me on that? Like, if you use it, you should take care of it a little bit more. I learned a stewardship lesson a few years ago. I talked all this time about traveling overseas and how we go to India a few times a year. And, and a guy comes up to me after church and says, man, I realize you travel a lot. Do you have any noise-canceling headphones when you travel? I said, no, I said, I really don't need them. I've gone, I've done this for 10 years. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, he's like, you need to take my noise-canceling headphones. And I was like, I was like, I was like, why? What, what is it? He told me like the perks. He's like, you put these headphones on, they're different than other headphones. You push a button, silences out everything. I mean, babies can be crying, people can be screaming at you, you don't hear a thing. And I was like, well, let me tell you, I don't need them on my trip, but can I take them to my house? No, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. Why am I seeing anything? That joke was funny. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, I said, that sounds good. I said, can I use them? And he, so he let me use them and I took them on the trip. I didn't realize what I was getting. I didn't realize, I mean, they're, they're like the best thing ever, but, but I just thought they were like normal headphones. Well, because I didn't understand the value, I get on one flight, jumping from one flight to another flight and I left them in the back seat of the thing. Yeah, I know. So I get to the next flight and I realized, oh man, I just left them in this random airline in the middle of India. There's no hope of me getting these things back. So I go on my phone and I was like, it's fine, I'll just Google, I'll get some more for the guy. These were like $300 headphones. So I get back and I realize I, I have to owe this guy, like this thing, I didn't take, I didn't realize that if I would have known that, I would have, I would have put a handcuff on those handcuffs right with me the whole time. I didn't realize the value of those things. And, 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 and if you're here and you're that guy and you've been wondering why I've been avoiding you for two years. <laughs> Well, God forgives so much, doesn't he? <laughs> he just releases those things. So, all right, so, 
That being said, we're gonna talk a little bit about what it means to, to be a good steward. And the best story of this, Jesus himself told, and you might have heard it talked about when it comes to your talents. Now, I want you to know this. They use the word talent as in we use this talent today like a singer or your ability to dance or your ability to write. It's not the same word. The word talent was actually a money term. And, and in this, if you read, read the KJV or one of those versions, it says that he gave one person uh, one talent, one two, and one five. So a talent, if you do all the, the kind of research on it, would be basically like a bag of gold and it would be considered one year's wage. So this wasn't like $100. This would be like if the average wage for Tampa Bay is about $50,000, that would be like they gave the one guy $50,000, the other guy $100,000, and the other guy $250,000. So you can get the idea of how generous this master was to release these funds to him. And I want you to see the story. It says it like this. It says, again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to him. Whose wealth was it? I said at every location, whose wealth was it? It was his wealth. So we have to understand the roles when it comes to money in this that we can really easily mess up. Mess up. So I'm gonna help you with it. Ready? Here's the roles. Ready? God is the owner and we are the stewards. So in this story, God is the master and he's the one that's entrusted it with us. So if that's the case, then everything we have in our life belongs to him. We, every, every bit of dollars we have, our job that we have, our kids that we have, the body that we have, the building that we have, the church that we have. The Bible says it like this to make it very clear for all of us who's the owner. It says the earth is the Lord's and how much of it? Everything in it belongs to him. Every single thing is it. Now I know what you're thinking. You go, well, Aaron, that's not including my money because I work for my money. I got, I, I, man, that's a sweat, and I, I sit in that office, and I went to school to get that degree to make that money, and I understand that mentality that we think we own it because we made it, but let me be very, very clear. The very energy you have in your body to work was given to you by God. The very wisdom that you have to make that job, it was given to you by God. You should not have ever passed that course except for the grace of God. Let me tell you, we are a product of his grace and we need to look every day going, you know what? If not for the grace of God, I would never be where I am today. Come on, give him better praise than that today. He, he created us. The Bible says at the very beginning in Genesis, he says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and then to take care of it. So God gives us things. He gave us this earth and he said, take care of it. That's why, that's why we need to exercise and we need to eat healthy and lay off the donuts once in a while. Why? Because this, this is not ours. It's, it's, it's given to us by God. That's why our finances matter because they were given to us by God. That's why your kids matter because they were given to you by God. That's why your marriage matters, because it was given to you by God. But I'll say this one, I know it's controversial. That's why our environment matters, because even this planet was given to us. Don't just throw trash on the ground. This is God's planet. Let me tell you, we need to leave it better than we got it. Can I get a good amen? And that's a little controversial, but it's okay. Um, I got the mic, it's fun. So it says the one he gave five bags of gold. Remember, that's about five years wage right there to the other one two bags and the other one one bag, each according to his ability. Now, let me just pause, because this is not fair. It's not fair. This was done today, we would go, no, 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 God, you got this wrong. There's three people, you need to divide this up equally, because that is how it should work. And I want you to know, that is how it should work, but that is not how it works. Because never throughout history has it worked where we can disperse the wealth equally just, just want you to know, 
Uh, again, I got the mic, it's just to help you. It, it doesn't work. You, 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 look at, you look at countries that have tried this where you just disperse it equally, and here's what it does. When you disperse it equally, it demotivates the, the aggressive um, gatherers and, and entrepreneurs, and then it, the people that aren't motivated anyway won't do anything. So it, it never works when you disperse it easily, equally, and God knew this 2,000 years ago. When he said this, he goes, no, I can't disperse it equally. I've gotta disperse it, and you gotta write it down in your notes because God distributes money based on our ability to handle it. So he doesn't do it based on being fair. And I know, I wish it was equal and I wish everybody got the same amount, but that's not the case. The case is that God looks down and says, okay, do you have the ability to handle what I'm gonna give you? So for some of you guys, you're sitting there and you're frustrated, you don't have a lot in your life. I would consider you like this, uh, like the vending machine. I went to the Y the other day and they had the vending machine there. So I went to go, uh, you know, get a, get a drink. But on there, on the little machine, it had a little sign on it. And you can't see it there, but I got one here. And here's what the sign said. The sign said, look at this. Say it out loud with me. The sign said what? Out of order. Out of order. Now, who in their right mind, walking up to a vending machine, would sit there with the money in your hand and go, you know what? But the sign is, but the machine is so nice. It's just, it's fair. I know the other one will give me a return out of it, but this one is just sitting here so lonely. And so it's not fair if I give it to one and don't give it to the other one. Nobody in their right mind would put the money into the machine that's never gonna get a return out of it. And let me just help you. I think a lot of you guys are walking around in your finances with a giant out of order sign on your life. And God looks down and he's got the uh, he cow, cattle on a thousand hill. He's got streets made out of gold. He's got all the resources available. And he looks down at you and he goes, I wish I could. They have so much to offer, but their life is out of order. They don't know how to budget. They don't know how to save. They spend it on crazy stuff. And because you're out of order, you're not experiencing the blessing of God in your life. Does anybody believe it today, church? So, so here's what I've realized in my life that the best way to increase your income is to increase your information. Man, that's good preaching today. I I want you to to increase your information today. I want you to realize that you need a financial education because a lot of you guys want more and you want God to increase it, but you're not living at a place where you could handle what God wants to do. So I believe this with all my heart. So as a church, I went through a time and I was like, okay, God, I, I want us to be blessed. I want us to have more. We need to build buildings. We need to, to reach into more communities. I, I need us to be able to handle more. And I truly believe this. So here's my approach to it. I'm gonna increase my information. So I'm doing my doctorate right now and it's a three or four year or eight year program depending on how long it takes me. But um, uh, every year I do a major project about an issue in my current church, I mean, my current ministry context that I'm trying to solve. So last year, they said, what, what, what do you wanna solve? And I said, I wanna be able to figure out how to be a better steward of the finances God has given us. I wanna learn everything there is to learn about church finances. I wanna I want know about this. So I spent a whole semester and read 15 plus books and researched the best churches in America on how to handle finances. And we made massive changes last year. You don't even have a clue about them. Hired a business administrator and went on different budgets and cut different spending. And, and you don't have a clue about it, but I knew this was what I needed to do to increase my information so that we could have uh, more resources from, from God's kingdom. Well, without you knowing a thing, well, I completed this, this paper in December, January till now, our income has increased 25% as a church. Without doing it, come on, that's pretty awesome. Not doing a single thing. Why? What, what was the cause of it? The cause of it is you just simply, God looked down and goes, oh, 
Now they can handle more. Now they can, now I'm going, okay, God, we gotta build about $15 million facility in, in South Tampa. God, what books do I need to read? <laughs> like, what do I need to do? You know, I think he wants us to increase our information. That's why in your life, if you don't know what, what to do, man, go to our financial health seminar. We're gonna do it in a few weeks. Put it on your calendar. Learn how to budget. Learn how to save. Learn how to invest. It'll help your life so that you can grow more financially. Here's what it says. The man went who had received five bags of gold, went at once and put his money at work. And look what he did. He gained five more bags. So also the man with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, say a long time. Long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. Let me just say this really nicely. Just so you know, I'm gonna do it with a smile. One day, Jesus is coming back. And one day, and, and, and if it doesn't happen in your lifetime, then one day we're gonna end this life and we're gonna stand face to face with God and here's what he's gonna do. We're gonna be asked two questions and the first one is simply, did you know Jesus? And the second one is simply this, what did you do with what I gave you? It's a stewardship question. So here's what I realized with stewardship. Write it down in your notes that stewardship is a spiritual responsibility with spiritual ramifications, so there's consequences of this. That's the word of the week, ramifications. You need to use it in daily sentences and just have fun with it. So, so, so what do we need to do? I wanna help you because one day we're all gonna stand before God and he's gonna ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? And I think spiritual um, stewardship looks very similar to this. If we're gonna be good stewards, then here's what good stewards do. Good stewards spend wisely. So they're not just uh, frivolously giving out their money and frivolously buying things and going out to eat. No, they go on a budget. 57% of Americans do not have a budget. Radiant Church, change that statistic. With your life, you need a budget because a budget helps you make financial decisions without emotion. And you need to be able to make a decision to put parameters in your life to say, I'm gonna spend the money that God's given me wisely. Number two, good stewards save diligently. They put money aside because one day there's gonna be something that comes along that you're gonna need those finances. And I'm not a doom and gloom guy, but I want you to know, eventually the market's gonna correct. Eventually we're gonna have some health issue. Eventually you're gonna have a need in your life and you're gonna wish at good seasons like this that you would have saved those finances. The Bible talks about saving being a spiritual thing. Proverbs says, in the house of the wise, there are savings. So you need savings in your life. And number three, good stewards give generously. They honor God with their giving and they say, I'm gonna put God first in my finances and watch what happens when you give to God. All three of those things. We're gonna stand before God one day and he's gonna go, hey, hey, how did you spend it? How did you save it and how did you give it? I think it's really important that we are able to stand before God and say, I was faithful servant to you. Because the story goes on to say that the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold and see, I have gained five more. And then the story goes, the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You hear that phrase a lot in church. You go, one day you're gonna want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. The context of that phrase is money. So let that sink in. So, so how we handle our money determines the good and faithful servant that we hear on that, in, at that time. So he says, you have been faithful with a few things. I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And he says, the man with two bags of gold also came and said, master, 
He said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. There it is again. You have been faithful with a few things and I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. This teaches us another thing. Here's your fourth point, ready? Write it down. That proper stewardship is the pathway towards prosperity. A lot of people wanna be blessed in their life, but they don't realize it starts with being faithful with the little things God has given us. A few years ago, I showed a video about stewardship that was one of the most uh, favorite things that I have ever shown. People loved it. And um, I thought, you know what, talking about stewardship, it's, pro- it's appropriate to show it again. So check this out. You know, stewardship gets talked about a lot. That's kind of how you handle what you've got. Jesus said it this way, if you're faithful over a little thing, you'll be faithful over a big thing. If you're faithful over a few things, you'll be faithful over many things. Now, I don't ever had a job in my life, even in an army, where, you know, how do you get promoted? Well, you handle what you got. And most people are griping, I don't like my job, and I wish I had his job, or I want their job, and I want that job. Well, how do you think they got that job? People don't give you a job because you need one. I used to tell my kids, you know, they only hire you for two reasons, you know. You know something somebody else doesn't know, you can do something somebody else can't do. Humans don't hire you because you need a job. They hire you to help them do something they can't get done someplace else. So stewardship begins the thing where, you know, when I became an engineer, people said, how'd you become an engineer? So, well, I got married, uh, had a good job running a backhoe for a construction company, but I had no health insurance. So I just got back out of the Army. My, my wife won't marry me unless I have health insurance because in case she gets pregnant. So I quit my backhoe job, got a job as a janitor for Olin Matheson. Well, I'm not even the janitor. I'm just pulling nails out of wooden blocks on the Tennessee River. Two weeks after, I got promoted to janitor. So I called my wife on a Thursday afternoon. I just got promoted. I'm going to be the janitor in the milk cast department next week. She said, you got insurance? Yeah. So I got the job. So two weeks in our marriage, we're having breakfast, and uh, she's working for the phone company. We're talking. She said, Joe, let's talk about our future. I said, okay. I said, well, number one, you need a better job. I said, I had a better job. I took a worse one to marry you. <laughs> no, you need a better job that pays benefits. I said, I'm aware of that. So we had a good conversation that day, and I began to realize something. I got to move up the food chain, so I'm in a big union shop, and... So I'd go down after I punch out of work, and they got a bid board. Now I'm a new guy. I have no seniority. I'm just the new kid on the block. So I'd look up. If that job paid 10 cents an hour more than I was making, I'd sign my name up. And uh, I don't care what I sign up on, somebody would come to me. Hey, McGee, somebody signed your name up on the blankety-blank job down there. Man, you don't want to work down there. You know what they do down there? Do you know how hard it is and how hot it is and how bad the foreman is? And I'm telling them what, the cheerleaders from hell don't show up when you get ready to step out to do something. And it was just, it was amazing. And people spent most of their time trying not to work, getting out of work and avoiding work than working. And I realize even heathen humans love people that'll work. You know that? If you don't have to be the smartest or the best looking, have the highest IQ, if you'll show up a little early and do your job and stay a little late, they're going to promote you. They're not looking for people that like. They're looking for people that'll get the job done. So I began to move through the plant. Took about three years. Been on every job in the plant. If it paid 10 cents an hour more, I bid on it. I kept getting jobs, you know, and I'm moving, moving, moving. And finally one day, I'm at the top of the food chain. And I'm sitting down there in the plant running these big old stranders, man, big old machines. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm looking left, I'm looking right. Now I'm kind of still new. I've only been there three years. But everybody I'm working with is like 20 years older than me. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, dear God. 
20 years from now, I'm going to look just like these old guys sitting there, you know, all depressed, half-shaven, hats on backwards, a cigarette hanging out of their mouth like, oh, my God, is that what I'm going to look like 20 years from now? I got to get out of here. And so I thought, what am I doing? I've bid on everything here. There's only one department that made more money than I was making at the time. It was the milk cast department. This was years ago. I was making about $3.80 an hour. Well, that made about $8 an hour down at milk cast. So I went and read the union manual. They had four operators, a foreman, and a janitor. So I went and bid on the janitor's job. People said, hey, McGee, you better do something. Somebody signs you up for the toilet job. No, I signed up for it. Now, I didn't tell anybody why. I just signed up. You gonna run clean toilets, go to the dump every day? I said, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You get to throw those eight-foot fluorescent bulbs away and they explode like something in a science fiction movie. It's, really, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so next thing you know, I got down there, foreman got promoted, operator got promoted to foreman, and they have an opening. I put my bid in. Well, people made fun of me. You can't bid on that. You haven't been in this plant long enough. Well, the union manual said you have to promote from within the department. Nobody read it, evidently. Now, I didn't write the union manual. I just read it. So I went into arbitration for three days. Three days later, they gave me that job. I got that job down there as a furnace operator. People got mad, pointed their middle finger at me. It was kind of ugly. But I got to keep the job because I read the manual. And I'm going somewhere with this. I hadn't had that job three months. I noticed a guy walked down below me one day in a white shirt and clipboard and nice pressed pants. And I asked my foreman, who is that guy? How come he doesn't sweat? Everybody in this plant sweats. Why ain't he sweating? That's a lab technician. A what? A lab technician. So how come he doesn't sweat? It's air conditioning in the lab. There's a job down here that's air conditioning? He said, yeah. He make more money than we do? Sure, he's a lab technician. How do you get that job? You can't get that job. You have to have a degree in metallurgy. I can't even spell metallurgy. So after work, I go down, I sign at the personnel office. I said, hey, how do you get to be a lab technician? She said, you got to take a test. I said, when you give the test? She said, Thursday. Can I take it? She didn't know. She's just the reception. She said, yeah. I said, sign me up. So I sign up for the test. And so I go in Thursday, and we got all these college graduates, got their coat and tie on, 17 of them, degrees in metallurgy. I show up, I've been on the furnace all day. I'm white with sweat. I smell. Got on my metal tarsal shoes, and I walk in, the instructor says, can I help you? I said, yes, sir, I'm here to take a test. He said, I don't think so. Yes, sir, and somebody had retyped my name, so I looked official. So I sit down to take the test. Well, it's 100 questions, A, B, C, or D. It's all on metallurgy. I went to a country high school. We didn't have any metallurgy. Can't even spell metallurgy. So I sit down, I thought, well, first answer, don't know it. Let's go to the second, don't know that. Third one, don't know that. I know how to take a test. Keep moving till you know an answer. I went through all 100, I don't know the answers. I go back to number one, I put A, number two, B, number three, C, number four, D, number five. So I ABC'd the thing all the way through. So I finished it in 20 minutes. Well, it's a two-hour test. I step up, I go up front to hand it in. People are looking at me. My God, he's a genius. He finished the test in 20 minutes. So two weeks later, I get a call from the lab. The guy calls him down, Steve Radline. He worked for NASA before NASA was famous. And he called me and said, Joe, why do you want to be a lab technician? I said, well, Mr. Redline, I have a lot of hobbies. Work's not one of them. I like to work for cash. And y'all make more money than we do out there. Plus, it's air conditioning here, and that would be something else. You get to wear those white shirts to work every day. My wife would be impressed if I went to work with a white shirt. And you guys are ordering that corned beef on rye from the deli. We're eating that pineapple cream cheese out there in that machine. That'll mess you up for a week. He said, I like this. Plus, you listen to classical music. I have no idea what they're saying, but it beats that country stuff we're trying to keep beating with out there. He just kind of laughed. He said, you weren't supposed to take this test. I said, well, nobody told me. He said, you know what you scored? I said, well, I got a 50-50 chance of getting 50. I guessed at everything. He said, you scored a nine. I said, what? You scored a nine. I'm trying to think. Did they round it up? You scored a nine out of 100. He said, Joe, don't ever gamble. You're not good at guessing. Long story short, he said, you know, I got a problem between us and the floor. 
the blue-collar guys don't like our white-collar guys, white-collar don't like blue, and the plant manager's mad. He said, I need a liaison. You might be our guy, Joe. Would you be willing to come in here for three months, see if we can teach you the formulas, and we'll make you a lab technician. And I became the first non-degree lab technician that they'd ever had. Eventually, I became an engineer, worked my way up through the food chain. People say, how'd you, how'd you become an engineer? I said, stewardship. Did my job real good. I looked for a better job to do constantly. I never griped about the company, didn't thumb suck about it, didn't bag mouth the foreman's. I'm here to serve. And I got myself promoted. It wasn't because I was the smartest. It wasn't because I had the highest IQ. I stewarded what I was given. Stewardship is the most powerful thing in the world. You take care of what you got, somebody's going to notice you, and something great's going to open up for you. God bless you. Come on. That's the best lesson you can learn all day. So... Remember, there was one more guy in our story, and look what happened to him. The end of the story goes that the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And see, so I was afraid. Let me just say this. Most of the reasons that we are not good stewards and make bad financial decisions are based on that one idea right there, that it's your decisions are rooted in fear. So you don't give because it's fearful. You don't save because you gotta spend it right now because what are people gonna think if you don't buy the next and brightest thing? It's always rooted in fear. It's a bad way to make decisions. And he says, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have uh, received it when I got back with interest. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has been given more for they will be having abundance and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And then this phrase is pretty freaky. He says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes, what an intense statement. So here's what shows me about stewardship is that, you know what, one day we're gonna be held accountable for what we've been given and that can be pretty intense. So I know a lot of you guys are sitting there going, well, Aaron, I have screwed up big time. I've messed up big time. Well, I have good news for you today. You're not at this point in the journey yet. You still got breath in your lungs. You still got hope in your life. There's still a future ahead of you. So I want you to write this down and I want you to get this. Today is the perfect day for you to start being a good steward. Because this is the good news of the gospel, is that while we were yet sinners, while we were away from God, while we were far away from him and messed up terribly, he came down and he offers us a second chance. And I want you to know, you might have wasted your finances for 30 years. Start today being a good steward. Start today being a good steward of your body, being a good steward of your, of your marriage, being a good steward of your kids. And I know that it's not too far gone. The same God that, that it's one day we'll stand before him has the power right now to redeem our situations, to turn those things around and to give you a fresh chance to say, you know what? You might've messed up for years, but today's the perfect day for you to start fresh saying, I'm gonna be a good steward of what God has given me. Come on, can you give him a little bit of praise today? So here's, here's how I want to end it. I want to tell you this. The greatest thing that you are called to be a good steward of is the soul that's been put in your life. That you were created by God with purpose and potential. But many times in our life, we've strayed away from God. We've chose sin and we've chose our own path. And we've, been a, we've not been a good steward with the life that God's given us. But Jesus came and he died on that cross 2,000 years ago so that he could redeem your life. He says that we were 
bought with a price. We've been purchased back from him. And I want you to know the best way that you can start being a good steward of your life today is to give your heart to Jesus. You might say, well, Aaron, I've gone years and years. My sin is too great. Let me tell you, today's the perfect day for you to be a good steward saying, you know what? I'm gonna give my life over to him. He died for me. I'm gonna live for him. His sacrifice is big enough to handle all of my sin. And when you make that decision, the Bible says that anybody that is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You can start today being a good steward of the life that you have been given. Just close your eyes at every location. You're in here today and you go, Aaron, I'm not living for God. I'm not being a good steward of the life he's given me. I've, I've lived for myself or for somebody else or for sin. And today I want to give Jesus my life. He went to that cross and he died and he paid the price for you and for me. And because he went to that cross, you can be offered a fresh life today, a fresh start. It's your day of salvation. And with every eye closed, every head bowed at every location, if that's you, and you say, Aaron, I wanna give Jesus my life today. I'm gonna have you make a decision. It's a stewardship decision to say, I'm turning over my life to God. And you're gonna do it by raising your hand on the count of three, not yet. The count of three, I want you to throw that hand up and say, today's my day. I'm gonna be a good steward of my life. I'm gonna give it over to God today. And I'm telling you, everything will change in this moment. Ready, one, two, three. Throw up those hands all over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you. People all over this place. It's your day of salvation. It's your day to give Jesus your life. Just pray this prayer right in your seat. Say, God, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my past. I give you my sin. Today, Jesus, I surrender it all to you. Thank you, tell him right now, for dying for me on the cross. You died a death that I deserve to die, but you died in my place so that I can experience true life. Today, tell him this, I'm gonna be a good steward of the life you've given me. I'm gonna live it for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, Come on, can we celebrate with dozens of people across all three locations? Come on, Radiant Church, that's a big deal. Awesome. Here's what I want you to do. If you just made that decision, it's the best decision of your entire life. I want you to check on that connection card. I committed my life to Christ. We're gonna send you some resources. We're gonna help you on this journey. And we're gonna end this service by worshiping God with our generosity. And Radiant Church, you guys are amazing at this. You are the most generous church in America. And I thank you for being good stewards of what God's given you. By honoring God with your tithing, you're making a massive impact. And then honoring God with your generosity after that. We're able to do huge outreaches like we're doing at Easter, like we're doing at the convention center, like we're doing all over this, all over the globe because of your generosity. I wanna thank you for being so faithful to God. Lord, bless their giving today. They give here in the service or online or through text giving. Maybe they've never given before, but today's one of those days they can start honoring you with their finances. I pray that truly you would help them to experience the blessings of God in every area of their lives whether it's here in the service or online or through text giving lord i pray that as they give to you they truly would be blessed in jesus name we pray and if you agree with me can you shout a big amen thank you for listening to the radiant church podcast for service times or giving options visit us at weareradiant.com